Good morning, everybody. Good morning. How are you? I'm grateful that, um, man, uh, Sunday morning to Sunday morning, um, I've learned so much through church planting that, um, man, uh, it's just not about, like, numbers. <laughs> it doesn't matter, like, how big your church is um, or how small your church is. Um, you know, today is considered a, a light day. You know, and I love going into Sunday mornings and just kind of like not knowing what to expect, and um, and just kind of like submitting, you know, the morning to God. You know, God, I don't know what what you're going to bring or who you're going to bring or what's going to come uh, about this, but um, I'm just grateful that uh, we're here, and it doesn't matter um, who isn't or who is. Uh, uh, he has appointed uh, this time um, for you to be here and for me to be here, and I'm just grateful uh, for this. So, man, you know, I wanted to talk about uh, today uh, through the scriptures, um, man, really a, a defining marker of a disciple of Jesus um, is joy. It's not the only defining marker of a disciple of Jesus, um, but it is one of them. Um, you know, when you look at the fruits of the Spirit, uh, I mean, love, peace, patience, kindness, joy, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and all those things, and uh, just this concept of joy is like, is a marker of a follower of Jesus, and um, man, there's, uh, in today's scripture, uh, you know, we're going to talk about just this concept of, of joy, but uh, really kind of um, uh, uh, the, the root of joy. Uh, where does this like joy come from? Like who does it come from? Uh, where does it come from? And how does it uh, come to us? Because uh, we see in the Bible that joy is not something that we can like acquire or purchase or get. It can't be gotten. Joy is actually something that's given. Uh, it can't be gotten. It's something that's given uh, from God. Uh, true, ultimate, lasting uh, joy. And man, you know, when you look at our culture, uh, you know, you look at our culture, and we're we're really conditioned and trained uh, to believe that joy uh, comes from things. You know, comes from people. Uh, it comes from all kinds of things. And you know, we might say those things where, you know. Uh, that we can get or find joy, um, we say those things like, you know, if I only had blank, um, man, then I could have joy. You know, if I only had blank. And that's a statement that comes from a heart that believes, like, we can purchase or get joy, right? Um, that's what that statement is really saying. And, uh, you know, we really try to create, like, um, little, like, revivals in our life. We try to create little revivals in our lives, and we do that like through entertainment. We do it through uh, vacations and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with those things in of themselves. Nothing wrong with going on a vacation, or nothing wrong with indulging in uh, you know entertainment. Uh, you know, as long as it's engaged with the right heart if it's engaged in with the right heart. If we're going to these things seeking ultimate and lasting joy, it's going to fail every time. It's going to fail every time. And what we find, though, is in our, in our culture is we're really gluttonous. We're really gluttonous for entertainment. We're gluttonous for uh, vacations. Gluttonous for just consuming. You know, we're, it's a consumer culture. And um, it's a culture that is really just trying to get joy. And uh, our culture doesn't understand that it can't be gotten. Uh, joy is actually given to us, and we're going to see that in the scripture today. 
you know, the, the Bible makes a, a, a different argument um, than w how the, the culture would argue. Um, we can't make ourselves joyful. Um, so today, uh, we're going to learn about, like, the root of joy. The root of joy, and that's from Psalm 126. And we're in this series in the Psalms, uh, Psalms uh, 120 to 134. Uh, they're called the Songs of Ascent. Um, and there were these psalms that the Hebrew pilgrims, uh, they, they sang on their way to these, these festivals, these worship festivals in Jerusalem uh, many, many, many thousands of years ago. So these psalms, the psalms of ascent, are like a soundtrack for the Hebrew pilgrims. You know, um, they didn't have like car radios or stereos or things like that back then. But man, they sang, they worshipped, and uh, these songs are like the soundtrack of these Hebrew uh, pilgrims. So we're in Psalm 126, and again, um, we're really going to see uh, who does joy come from, where does joy uh, come from, and, and how does it come to us? How do we get this joy? You know, how are we given this joy uh, from God? So let's get into the scripture. The scripture says this. In Psalm 126, it's on the screen. Starting there in verse 1, we'll do verses 1 through 4 first. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. And then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Yeah, so the, the psalmist and the nation of Israel, they're experiencing a period of like spiritual dryness. They're experiencing a period of spiritual dryness in Israel. When you look back at their history uh, throughout Old Testament scripture, um, Israel had eras of like great spiritual fruitfulness and vitality, you know, marked by joy. Great vitality marked by joy. But communities of faith often have like these seasons of Nejeb. They have these seasons of, of when they of having Nejeb times of great spiritual dryness. And then the Nejeb was a desert, um, and it was very arid, uh, desert-like lands. And uh, these periods of dryness, they often leave us thinking, like, how can I ever get out of this? Right? Do you guys ever think that about something in your life? Some kind of a season of, of just like dryness and you just don't know like how you're going to get out of this. And we ask that question, how can I ever get out of this? And the, man, the people of Israel, um, they asked those questions. They asked those questions, how can I get out of this? And sometimes uh, what you would see in the history of Israel is, you know, uh, is sometimes a flood of God's spirit will just come down powerfully and suddenly uh, upon the people of Israel and really just reviving them, restoring them, restoring their fortunes. Um, like it says, and, and it's compared to in the scripture, just like the streams from distant mountain rainstorms and the community is restored dramatically. Right? Just like these, these streams uh, during a huge rainstorm, they just start flowing down the mountain and they come down onto the land uh, below, um, just restoring and reviving uh, the lands. Now, the psalmist is actually thought to have uh, written this during Israel's 70-year Babylonian captivity. Um, that's when, when they, it's thought that uh, this psalmist wrote this, and it's thought that uh, they were thought that this psalmist was thought to be looking back at a time in the past when God restored their fortune. So the psalmist and the people of Israel are experiencing spiritual dryness, 
right? They're asking God to restore their fortune. They're looking back. Hey, God, you did this back then. You did this back then. And what you did back then, it was too good to be true. And it's thought that this psalmist was talking about the deliverance from Egypt when Israel uh, was in Egypt for 400 years as slaves. And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, Israel was delivered from Egypt and free, free from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And it was really, it was too good to be true. You know, it was, it, was like, it was like dreaming. You know, the Israelites like, were thinking, man, am I dreaming? Is this a dream? Is this really happening, this deliverance that, that we're experiencing? You know, they, they went from making bricks without straw, and then the next day just being completely free. Com- being completely free through the work of Moses. And in verse 4, uh, the psalmist prays for revival once again. We had the season of spiritual dryness. You did this back then. God, do it again. Do it again. And do it fast. Do it fast. Do it mightily. Do it suddenly, just like you did uh, back then. And as God's people, you know, our lives are going to be filled with seasons of spiritual fruitfulness. They're going to be filled with uh, seasons of just like vitality. Uh, But they're also going to be filled with like seasons of dryness. They're going to be filled with seasons of spiritual dryness. You know, is is there like an area in your life that things aren't like just what they once were? You know, when I think about that for myself, uh, you know, I, I think about my own relationship with Jesus. You know, when I, when I uh, first came to Christ like 10 years ago, I've been following Jesus for 10 years, and uh, man, uh, I was on fire. I was on fire back then. Uh, man, go Jesus. You know, like he, he changed my life quickly. He delivered me from, me from, from some, some things. Uh, but then now, uh, you get a little comfortable, and over time, and here it is, like 10 years later, um, my relationship with Jesus, like it's still there. You know, my faith has gotten stronger. Um, however, you know, you get the, the flame just, um, it's not quite as uh, large. And uh, you want to go back to a time uh, that you experienced uh, then. Um, so do you guys experience that at all? Do you experience that? Are you experiencing that in your own relationship with Jesus? Uh, it happens in our practical lives. You know, uh, my wife and I, we're experiencing this right now. Uh, we've got our kids, our daughters, who are five and three, and um, they're crazy. And our marriage, just it's not what it once was. It's not what it once was, you know? Uh, before kids, uh, you know, we had an awesome marriage. Like, you know, we were able to be really selfish and just do tons of things together as a married couple. And like our marriage, like the flame was like hot, you know, um, but then things happen. And uh, I struggle with, you know, are the kids really like an excuse? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, as in our, in our marriage, we've, uh, we've really just kind of like hit like this uh, season of like kind of spiritual dryness in our marriage where, man, um, the passion's not quite what it was. Uh, we want it and we're prayerful about God doing what he did uh, a time ago and just to do it again. And uh, man, we're confident that it's going to happen. We don't know how. We don't know how it's going to happen or when, but man, we know who God is and what he wants to do, and um, you know, we're, we're prayerfully waiting for that. So I'm confident my wife would be okay with me sharing that if she was here. So no worries. <laughs> no worries. Just being honest, just being real, right? We got to be honest and we got to be real. Um, but man, we really see the root of joy in this scripture, and the, uh, one, part of the root of joy in this scripture is in the Lord. That's where joy 
ultimately comes from. That's who it comes from. It doesn't come from like a wife or a spouse or, you know, a relationship or friend. Joy, ultimate, lasting, true joy comes from God and God alone. It comes from God and God alone. And the verified experience, the verified experience of his restoration, of his restoration, that's where ultimately who it comes from. Now the psalmist gives us another complimenting image. Another complimenting image, which is a, it's a truth about joy that is actually far less marketable in, uh, in, in the world than it is really in the church. And man, even in the church, people might not want to hear this. You know, so we see that who uh, joy comes from, which is the Lord, and we see that he does it through restoration, right? And then now we're going to see kind of like how all that kind of works out. Um, uh, through it all. So the scripture says this, really just a, 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 an incredible uh, image that the psalmist gives us. The scripture says, uh, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Joy from God, joy from God often comes from experiencing his providence and his deliverance after a time of pain and suffering. After a time of pain and suffering. Great joy is often preceded by a season of tears. By a season of tears. As if they are seeds, the scripture is saying. As if they are seeds we sow that will bring a crop of joy later. So our, our tears, our tears are like seeds. And it's not just any tears. It's not just any tears, but tears that are truly sown in faith will bring in, in time a true harvest um, of rejoicing and a true harvest uh, of lasting joy. You know, this is a powerful and great promise. This is a powerful and great promise that our tears and sorrows, like, won't be wasted. They won't be wasted, but they can be sown for a joyful harvest if, if we sow them in a particular way. If we sow them in a particular way. And here's the thing that's, like, not, like, really marketable in our world. Uh, and this, this, this is kind of the, like, like, like the catch, right? So there's a particular way we have to, like, sow our tears. A, the first way is we got to let ourselves cry, <laughs> right? We got to let ourselves cry. Now, when you look at our culture, crying is, is seen as a weakness, is it not? Crying is seen as a weakness in our culture. Biblically, it's just real life. It's just, it's just what it means to be human, is, is crying and being sad. And, and it's, but what we're seeing biblically, it's actually it's a catalyst to great, significant joy and restoration. Right? You know, I can't help but think, I can't help but think about the restoration and joy that we rob ourselves of when we're fake. The restoration and joy that we rob ourselves of when we're not real. When we're not real. If we're in anguish and if we're in pain, dude, it's okay. Cry. God wants you to cry. He wants you to cry, but he particularly wants you to cry to him. To direct your cries and your pain towards him. 
you know, I, I feel like we often, and even I do this sometimes, you know, uh, so this is a good word for me. You know, and, and instead of like wiping, and instead of crying, you know, we'll, we'll kind of just like, you know, be like, oh, okay, 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 oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm crying. We'll wipe our eyes, be like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm better than this, I don't need to cry, I'm fine, I'm strong. Right? That's kind of like our reaction, like when we feel the tears coming and it's like, okay, hold on, like I got to step back and just like stop myself from crying. Right? We do that. I often do that. I often do that. But no, God, we, we have to let ourselves cry. We have to just get there. Okay? And the second thing, the second thing is, is sowing tears in faith. Sowing tears in faith by directing our hurts and our cries to God. Like, we can cry, but we might not be directing the, our cries towards God. You know, we might, be, we might just be doing it in bitterness, and we just might be crying, just crying, and not really directing our cries towards God. And again, I can't help but think about the restoration and joy that we rob ourselves when we don't do this, when we don't direct our cries uh, to God. You know, we, in our culture, uh, you'll see that we want to reap, like, the joy. Like, we want joy. Everybody wants joy. But we don't want to, like, sow the tears. <laughs> we don't want the pain. We don't want the suffering. We don't want the tears. We just want the joy. So we do everything we can to get the joy without the pain and the suffering and, and, and the tears. And that's why we often go to those things I was talking about to create little re revivals in our life, to go get joy. You know, instead of crying and taking it to God, we'll, we'll go places for this joy, vacations, entertainment, uh, a particular house, a particular car, and we think we're going to get this joy. Man, if all we would do is just be real, just be real with God and just cry out to him prayerfully, God promises restoration, and he promises a great harvest uh, of joy beyond that. But man, we don't do that because we get cynical. We get cynical. We're a cynical culture, cynical people, where we, we're just cynical people where, you know, if God's not doing it on our timing, God's just not doing it. <laughs> so we stop crying out to God, and we're cynical about it. Oh, there is no God. There is no God. He, he's not doing what I want him to do when I want him to do it. So then it just throws us off our rails and, and, we, and we just we, we stop crying or we stop crying out to God. So when we don't direct our cries to God, we get bitter. We get bitter. And the promise in this text, the promise in this text is when we direct our cries to God and sow tears in faith, we can trust God that he's going to bring us into a harvest of joy later. We don't know when and we don't know how. It is going to happen. That's great hope. That's great hope and great promise. Now, if the psalmist, like most people believe, if the psalmist did write this during Israel's Babylonian captivity, they were in Babylon for 70 years, they were taken as slaves and they were captive in Babylon, man, we know his prayers were answered. His prayers were answered. They were released from captivity from Babylon after 70 years. God heard this psalmist's prayer. That's an incredible thing. That's an incredible thing. Man, in a, in a, in a broken, sin-riddled world, the root of true and lasting joy is first God through restoration. 
through restoration. And restoration comes through pain and suffering. Right? What's there to restore if there's no suffering? What's there to restore if there's no pain? Or what's there to restore if nothing's broken? That's where true joy comes from. It comes from restoration through pain and suffering. And God sometimes brings us to dry places in our lives. He sometimes brings us to dry places in our lives. And whether we know it or not, we're all desperate for restoration. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or a non-believer. Subconsciously, man, we know something is wrong. Something is broken. Why am I this way? Why am I saying these things? Why am I doing these things? Why are they doing those things? Something is broken, and we all want like to be restored from whatever it is that is going on in humanity. We all want that restoration. If we weren't broken or experiencing pain and suffering or spiritual dryness, then we wouldn't need to be restored. Through faith, through faith, joy is given. It's given. It's not gotten. It's given. And it grows through the verified experiences of life involved with God at the center. You've got to look at the cross. You always have to go back to the cross. The greatest restoration the world has ever known came from pain and suffering. That's what the cross is. The cross is restoration. It's restoration of humanity. It's restoration of God's creation. It's restoration of our hearts. But it had to happen through pain and suffering. The joy that, that comes from that restoration, it had to be sown in tears. It had to be sown in the weeping of Jesus. It had to be sown in, in the pain and suffering of Jesus Christ. Never do we arrive at a place of faith without first feeling the pain of our own sin and brokenness. Never. Never do we arrive at faith without first understanding and seeing and feeling the pain of our own sin and brokenness, this spiritual dryness in our hearts. Being spiritually empty, it has its effect on our lives in lots of practical ways and how we relate with people. But the root of ultimate joy comes from the painful knowledge and belief in our own personal sin and brokenness. And our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ that addresses our pain, spiritual aridness, and just that joylessness. That never-ending search for joy that we're on. The gospel addresses this. On the cross, Jesus completed the greatest act of restoration, but it took tears and pain and suffering to seal the deal. When we put our faith and trust in Christ, our relationship with God is restored, and we begin to experience joy, true and lasting joy, the joy of the Lord. It is a gift of grace. It is a gift of grace, and it is given. It's not gotten. This free, undeserved gift, this free, undeserved gift of God's grace on the cross is too good to be true. It's a dream. It's a dream. Man, is this really happening? God, like, is this true? Or am I dreaming about this? It is too good to be true when you think about it. But man, we forget that. We forget how too good to be true uh, the cross is. It should cause us to respond with laughter. It should cause us to respond with, with joy. Man, when I look at my life, you know, recently, like, I don't laugh about the gospel, you know? There's so much things going on that's just kind of bringing, like, this spiritual dryness in my life, and I'm like, man, 
I have lost my joy and my, I, I have lost this laughter and this just amazing thing that I used to have uh, for the gospel. But man, I want to encourage you like, to get that back. But listen, we can't get it back in our own strength, man. We have to be prayerful about it. Man, we have to get to a point where we're crying about it. And we're sowing these tears of faith with God. And he will bring that harvest of joy back to us. It's on the cross that Jesus restores the fortunes of those who believe. And the gospel really is. It's too good to be true. Restoration is also something that we need again and again. It's not just a one-time thing, right? It's not just a, a one-time thing where it's okay, it happens, and I don't need restoration again. No, we need restoration over and over and over again. It's a continual process that unfolds uh, our whole life. God is constantly peeling back layers of us and of our hearts, going deeper and deeper and deeper. Man, some of us might not like that. That's kind of uncomfortable, you know? But he goes deeper and deeper and deeper, restoring and transforming us into the image of Jesus. Into the image of Jesus. Our lives are an endless cycle of pain, restoration, and joy. Are you okay with that? This is kind of a confronting scripture. You know, man, I want this joy, but gosh, that means I got to like endure pain and suffering to get there. <laughs> I want restoration, but there's like a catch. Man, we need, to, we need to be crying out to God and experiencing pain and suffering. We need to be okay with and allow God to bring us into these seasons of, of spiritual dryness. But, man, we shouldn't, be like go, we shouldn't be like searching for suffering. Like, God, make me suffer. Like, I want to suffer. But we also shouldn't be avoiding suffering. You know, because often we actively just try to like, you know, we're kind of like crazy about protecting ourselves from suffering and we go to some great lengths to like avoid suffering, damaging lengths to avoid suffering. We shouldn't avoid it either. We live our life, trust God, and just allow him to bring whatever suffering that he deems is sovereignly appropriate for my life to be able to be experience this restoration that he brings and then ultimately this joy. And this joy should have its effect on our daily life in every area of our life, our relationships, our marriage, everywhere. Man, I'm right there with you, man. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for a restoration. I'm waiting for a restoration. And the other way that we should respond to uh, about this is we should be praying for our church. We should be praying for Streamsong. We should be praying for our country. We should be praying for people we love, that they will be spiritually empowered and renewed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have to learn to rest in God's timing. We have to learn to rest in his timing for that harvest of joy and that restoration. And we have to remember and know that our tears... Our tears and prayer are like seeds that will come to fruition in the lives of those we care for and in our own lives. Let's pray.